good afternoon. However, whatever time you're listening to this, thank you all for tuning into the show once again. I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. Now, I want to apologize in advance if y'all hear any noises in the background. That's my dog. Yep, he's crazy. So, I'm just leaving that at that. But we're going to jump right into some NFL news. Before I get into my Super Bowl matchups and who has what advantage where at each position, I want to get into some around the league news. And there have been reports around the league that has been saying the Atlanta Falcons are not expected to move on from Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Reports state that <clears throat> that the team will remain with the two veterans, high, all pro caliber players. And to me, in all honesty, that is a mistake. I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to realize what you got in the team you have currently. I mean, you all peaked to a Super Bowl appearance, and that was it. Ever since then, it's just been downhill, and it's it's just not it's just not good, man. I mean, it's to me the team seems complacent. I don't care who the head coach is. You're you're not coming into the situation, and you're not going to you're not going to do something that they already haven't done with other people. I mean, Kyle Shanahan had got the very best out of this team, the very best. And look at him now, succeeding greatly with the 49ers. So it's it's hard to see them peaking at anything else with because one, they're they're not getting any younger. Two, the same impactful players that they had that year, they all aren't there anymore. I mean, Tevin Coleman was a big loss for them. Devontae Freeman. He fell off. They ended up parting ways with him. <clears throat> they still, I, they had they had a few more receivers that around that time too. Uh, I can't. T- Taylor Gabriel was one of the guys who I thought was underrated on that team at at that position. Austin Hooper isn't there no more as well. He's not with the Browns. I mean, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of offensive power they lost and the defense. Just seems can't stay healthy in the year. I mean, every year it seems like they have an injury in the secondary or in their linebacker court every year. And they don't have that dominant pass rusher that they once had in Vic Beasley as well. So it's it's hard, man, to rebuild that and re- to recapture that lightning in a bottle. You know, it's, it's nearly impossible to be honest with you. And I think training Julio and Matt Ryan is will do more harm I mean, would do more good than bad because yes, I think Julio is a top five receiver, top three receiver in this league. And yes, Matt Ryan is a serviceable and good enough quarterback to win you games, but they're not getting any younger, man. I mean, these these dudes are on their last legs. Julio can't even stay healthy for 14 games. I don't know, 16. So I just think, man, I, you get what you can out of them now. I mean, it's like what Max Kellerman said on ESPN one time. You trade a player t- a year too early before you trade them a year too late. Because that's when you get the highest peak value for him. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Falcons will do what they feel as if is best. And another news around the NFL is reports going around saying that the Raiders are expected to field trades for <clears throat> for Derek Carr. This report has came from 
excuse me, uh, look at the name. I'm just not telling the name. Well, it says it's being reported, and they want to feel they want to possibly make a move for Deshaun Watson. Oh, this report came from Vincent Bunny Signor of the Las Vegas Review Journal. I mean. Um, it's a lot of stories that's coming out just because Deshaun Watson is a big headline and heading into this offseason. So I'm not fully sure how true this is because, to be honest with y'all, Derek Carr isn't the problem with the Raiders. I mean, he's had back-to-back 4,000-yard seasons. He's completing over 65% of his passes at one point. I'm not sure if he did this season. Yeah, he's completed 67% of his passes. And then he's giving you... He's giving you 4,000 yards on the year, a 101, 101 rating. QB. I mean, 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 3 to 1 interception ratio. I mean, you, you don't get that much better than that. I mean, you get better at it, but it ain't guys that it's not a position you need a significant upgrade at when this dude is playing very well. So I just want to understand his move. I mean, can he upgrade that quarterback? Yeah, but why would you? That's not that's not even close to your biggest concern. Your biggest concern is your pass rush, your secondary, the defense in general. Let's just put it like that. That's that's your biggest concern. If you were to look at concerns on the offense, maybe receiver, since Nelson Aguilar is going to be a free agent, and Henry Ruggs isn't panning out like how you thought he was. So, yeah, maybe you want to get better there. But other than that, man, Derek Carr is an issue with this team. So I, I truly, I truly don't understand the reasoning. May again, maybe it's because you know a reporter sees a chance to take on the Deshaun Watson story, and there has been rumors in the past about Derek Carr being moved on from by the Raiders. So who knows? But I, I just don't see that happening. And other news. This is the last story before I get into the Super Bowl matchups. The Saints have big interest in keeping Jameis Winston. Now, I believe it was, I want to say yesterday or two days ago, that other teams showed interest in Jameis Winston. I forget exactly who it was, but I know the Colts were among amongst the, it was the Colts and the Bears. Not a, Okay, I remember now. So those, those are two teams that could be contenders, man. They Really could, I mean, even I even throw the um, Washington Redskins, Washington football team in there. Excuse me, because James Winston, he doesn't have to be perfect, right? He doesn't have to be. I mean, I know a lot of people want to look back at his season with the Bucks, where he threw thirty interceptions, but people have to realize. That was unprecedented even for him. I mean, he had has had turnovers, but that was even unprecedented for him. And now that he had a year under Sean Payton, I mean, I think that just made him that much better. And I have criticized Sean Payton before on my channel, but Sean Payton develops quarterbacks. You seen it with Drew? You seen it with Taysom? You seen it with Teddy? You seen it with James Winston? Even in the last little bit of stints, you see him in. He gets the best out of QBs, and it makes them better moving forward. You know, so I think 
James might be that much better of a decision maker. It was never about talent. It's about decision making. So now I'm going to get into the Super Bowl matchups. Kansas City Chiefs represent the AFC. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, first year with Tom Brady representing the NFC. And I'm going to get off into different positional groups, coaching, and who I think has the edge where. And I want to start off with the obvious position, the quarterback position. Now, this is hard to pick between because you have who many believe is the greatest quarterback of all time going against the young phenom in Patrick Mahomes. So, I'm going to give this edge to Patrick Mahomes, but only, only because Brady has yet to impress me in this postseason. Only because of that. He's, he played, he, he's played well enough against the Redskins, the, I keep saying the Redskins, against the Washington football team not to lose that game. But the defense was, their defense was lights out that game. And same with the Green Bay game. He started off completely fine, on fire. Then the second half came, he just absolutely laid an egg. He was horrible. Again, the Bucks' defense came through in a big, big way. Now, with that being said, I don't see this Buck, regardless of the injuries they have up front right now, regardless of that. I don't see this Bucks team stopping this Kansas City offense. As long as Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey takes the field, they're going to have problems all day. I mean, I know Demarcus Robinson is out with COVID, and I believe it was another player as well. But still got Hartman. You got you still got Hartman to cover those guys. You got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. The other running back, I, I, I I forgot his name. I love his last name, Williams. But he's been looking really solid for them as well. And then you got 15 back there. Listen, this is a tall task for any defense. I don't care who's the person there. It could be the best out of the NFC. This is a tall task, man. Tall task. So I'm going to get that edge to Mahomes. I feel as if he's just been looked better throughout this postseason thus far. And... Only way Brady can leapfrog him is that veteran presence and comes in. But I gotta see it happen first, man. Next positional group I wanna get into. I wanna speak on the receivers, who I think has the edge there. And I'm gonna get the edge to the Bucks. I mean, I think Tyreek Hill may be the best receiver that plays Sunday. Maybe. Because I think Mike Evans is still debatably over him in terms of receiver rankings. I know Tyreek has had the better season. I know he has had, he has more highlight type real plays, but he hasn't been nearly as consistent as Mike Evans has been since he's entered the league. Not, not even close. So, I, that's that's debatable. That's a hand toss. But other than that, the Bucks have them beat everywhere else. I mean, that's second. That second receiver option can be a number one literally anywhere else in the league in, in Chris Godwin. Then they went out and got Antonio Brown, who was at one point the best receiver in the league for a six, five-year stretch. And then after that, you got Scotty Miller, another guy who is 
legit. So it's it's hard to say. I'm, and I'm a factor in the tight ends as well. So I'm a factor in you know Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Cameron Brayden, and all of them. And I still think the Bucks have the edge in that positional group because I was, even though Travis Kelsey is night and day better than everyone on the Bucks as a tight end. I mean that includes Gronkowski. I mean he just hasn't looked the same. He still <clears throat> he still is one man. The Buccaneers if especially if O.J. Harrell wouldn't have been hurt, they would have had legitimately three very good tight ends compared to that one great tight end. I mean, you'll take the superstar over the the three good any day, but in terms of who has the better positional group as a whole, it's the Bucks. So, with that being said, I'm going to move on into... <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to move on to the... Offense, I mean, not offense, the defensive side of the group. And I'm going to look at the, the secondary. And I might I might have to I might have to lean towards the Buccaneers in this one as well. Because I, I just feel as if their two young safeties, especially Winfield, Julian, man. I, I, man, I wanted the Dolphins to drive him so bad. But Carson, they got Carson Davis. You know, Murphy, Barry, Murphy Button, these dudes, young, quick, fast. These dudes can play, man. I mean, I like some of the young dudes like Sleeve for the Chiefs. Fenton is, I think he's panned out to be pretty solid. Tyron Matthews are all pro, so of course. But I don't think collectively they're better than the Buccaneers is from positional group talent-wise. I mean, I'm not saying they're not good, and I'm not saying they don't play well together, but I think collectively that secondary is just a tad bit. It's not, it's not that big of a difference, but I just think they're a tad bit better than what the Chiefs are in terms of a collective unit and from a talent perspective. And I'm going to move on into the front sevens. Oh, man, this is this is kind of tough. Because I think the Bucks by far had the better linebacker position. But I think the the Chiefs front four is pretty solid as well. Because, I mean, I think, I think Chris Jones is the best lineman out of all of the linemen that is on the field, that will be on the field, the lineman. Then Frank Clark is still a good enough pass rusher. I think he's as good as Jason Pierre-Paul, so. And Shaq Barrett, if I'm being honest. But, man, that's, that's tough. I, I got to lean towards the Buccaneers, though, man. I'm giving the Buccaneers a lot of love. But their linebacker core is just is special, man, with Levante David and Devin White. Ah, man, you <laughs> you dream of having two linebackers like that, man. They... Both run sideline to sideline. Extremely, both extremely athletic, man. You know, these, we are talking about two linebackers that can run with any running back and tight end in the league, especially in Devin White. But we're going to get into another group. Hey, what's the last group I want to speak on that I think is significant to the game is the head coaching position. And I'm going to get his edge to Andy Reid. And his team, I think Andy Reid 
is a phenomenal offensive mind. I think he has helped a lot of guys get jobs in this league that has panned out a lot better than what Bill can say. Bill Belichick, that is. I mean, you got Harbaugh. You got <clears throat> Doug Peterson. You know, these are these are Super Bowl winning coaches, you know? Like, people who come out of that Andy Reid tree usually succeed, and it shows. You know, Sean McDermott. Then now, most recently, who I many believe should have a, a starter job, I mean, head coach job right now, Eric B. Enemy. Yeah, this is this is a team that is legit, man. Like he's a he makes his teams legit on offensively every year. I mean, he hasn't won anything since last year, but you can never doubt his team competitive nature, the creativeness of his team, or the aggressiveness. You know, if he feels if he has a chance, he's gone. And Bruce Arians, I like him. I think he's solid. I like the fact that he's another risk taker. But I, I just don't know how good of a coach he is in terms of getting to that next level. Because the long the, the long period he was with the Cardinals, man, I mean, he just he underachieved with that team mightily. I mean, I understand that, you know, sometimes you need the personnel to truly support you. And I know that he struggled at times with Carson Palmer, at quarterback. But, I mean, it was... Is it, you, you just have to show more as a head, head coach, man, to get the best out of your players to me. All right, we're going to move on to the NBA news. Now, I wanted to speak on <clears throat> the Brooklyn Nets and, <clears throat> excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Clippers game last night. For one, if you didn't watch the game, you missed a hell of a game. It was a good game. Kevin Durant was absolutely phenomenal. The big three itself were great. But Kevin Durant, I think he shot like 84% from the field or some insanely number. It was crazy. But they they played absolutely lights out together. And to be honest with you, when they're playing like that and they're scoring like that, they're tough out for anybody. I don't care how good the defense is. These are three shot creators that will get theirs. But the downside of that, like I've said before, I don't believe in their defense at all. They have no rim protection. They have to win shootouts because their opponents are going to put up numbers on them. That's that's just what it is. They have to win shootouts. So they have to have these three guys play out of I mean, look at these numbers. James Harden finished with a triple-double, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 14 assists. Kevin Durant, 28 points, 9 rebounds. And then you had Kyrie Irving, 39, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. I mean, these are all-star, all-NBA caliber numbers. And these dudes won by 4 points. You would think having 3 guys having outings like that, you would win by, at the very least, 12 or 15 points. They won by four. Now, I know they played the Clippers, but, I mean, come on. Four points? And you had others like that from guys like that. And look at the Clippers' best. Kawhi Leonard, 33 points. Paul George, 26. Nicholas Batum, 21. I mean, it just, 
they they have to find something defensively, man. I know they went out and got a Mon Shepard, a good wing defender. Defender, I'm sorry. But I'm not sure how much of an upgrade he would be over a guy like Kevin Durant. You know, he's not an all-NBA type caliber defender to me. So it's hard to say that he's going to make that big of an impact. And I want to speak on the LeBron James and fan incident. Man, listen, man. It's like I was telling a friend of mine the other day. These, just in case you don't know, it was the incident that involved LeBron and the woman's husband. They were, they had a basically a little disagreement, argument, and the wife stepped in. You know, said a, said her piece, and LeBron didn't appreciate what she was saying. He's, so they went back and forth. Now a lot of people are saying that oh he needs to be more. I don't know have more thicker skin or something. Look, man, these people are grown men at the end of the day. They're not going to take disrespect, especially from someone who came to literally watch them. Like, why would, why would I take disrespect from someone who literally came in this arena today to solely watch me? It just doesn't make sense to me. So, for those... Crit- Criticizing LeBron, saying he got these fans ejected. And I know he didn't. He's already come out and said that he didn't want the fans ejected. The refs, if you listen to in the audio, ejected these fans because they tried to dilute the situation and the woman wouldn't calm down. So they had to remove them from the stands. But we're going to get off into the, <clears throat> excuse me, into the fan QA. And I'm going to start off on Instagram today. So, this first question comes from Byron Johnson. What does Giannis need to get over the hump to win the championship? And concerning the Super Bowl, who has more to lose, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady? Well, for one, let me, I'm answering the Giannis question first. What he needs is to expand his game. That's it. That, that's literally it. If he can de- – it's like I've said for the past, I want to say, three years now. If he can literally develop a consistent mid-range, that's all he that's all he needs. If he can develop a consistent 18, 20-footer, he will be perfectly fine. Because then you make guys come out and play you. You know, they're not playing the draft. Even though it looks like they're on him defensively, they're they're not they're not playing the shot. They're not. If you make them play the shot, now you got a pump fake in your game, a shot fake in your game. Now you got a more of a, um, now you got more of an opportunity to beat them off the dribble quicker. You know, it's not about just brute force anymore. You could you could have a little finesse to your game. You know, it's it's just it opens up your, your game that much more. It truly does, and for him that would be huge, man, because he's already unstoppable when he drives. So. If he develops a consistent 18, 22-footer, you know, maybe a little bit better three-point shot, but that's that's not necessarily what he needs. But if he does develop it, that, that's even better. But, yes, he, he definitely needs to develop a consistent mid-range game, mid range game to me. If he, if his mid-range game could get on the level of Joel Embiid, he would be perfectly fine, perfectly fine. 
He doesn't need no Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony type of mid-range. I don't think he'll ever have that because that's just not him. But if he could get like a Joel Embiid or a, uh, who else? I don't I don't even think it, it could get his – maybe a little bit slightly under Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis' mid-range game is very good as well. But I'm going to go with that. Excuse me one second. Okay, we're going to get off into the next question. I'm sorry for that disturbance. And the next question also comes from Byron Johnson. I, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't answer the second part. Concerning the Super Bowl, who has more to lose, Patrick or Tom? I think Patrick Mahomes does. I think Tom Brady's legacy is already cemented. So, another Super Bowl loss, it may hurt his argument for being better than Montana in some people's eyes, but... He's already undisputably by many the undisputed GOAT, so I don't think it's going to diminish him that much. But the next question also comes from Byron Johnson. After Tom Brady has retired, who will be the face of the NFL and why? Also, do you believe that the NBA and other sports should start bringing fans back or are they moving, moving too quickly in the process? Well, I'm going to answer the the fans question first um I don't believe they should start bringing fans back immediately I know some teams around the NFL and I know some you know like MMA baseball you know I know I I, I honestly enjoy the no fans the no fans thing in MMA man you you hear a lot more (laughs) It, it sounds it sounds bad to say but you you do hear a lot more hits and impact and the amount of impact a punch or a kick will land is just to me it's fascinating. But I know it hurts like hell now. But I think fans will come back. I'm not sure how soon they'll be filling up arenas or stadiums again. But I give it maybe another year. Since this second strand, since these new strands of COVID has been, you know, coming out, I don't, I don't see them just completely bringing people back. I don't see that at all, if I'm being honest. And the face of the NFL with Tom Brady's retired. To be honest with you, I don't think he's the face of the NFL now. I mean, I think, I think they're best seller in terms of like who truly represents the NFL right now is the dude he's playing against. And that's Patrick Mahomes. So I think he's the face of the NFL, and I think he will be for years to come. Okay, this next question comes from <clears throat> my little cousin, actually, Jeremiah. But who you got in the Super Bowl, and who do you have for league MVP? Now, I'm going to start off with the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs... As despite the fact that I said the Bucks have stronger positional groups at certain parts, I think the matchup itself just speaks volumes. I think the Chiefs go back to back. I don't see them being able to slow down Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. They got two really good coverage linebackers, but Travis Kelsey, regardless of who's on him, man, he's virtually unstoppable. Same thing with Tyreek Hill. All he needs is a spot route, and he's taking it 60, 70 yards. And for league MVP, um, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, I think I think Derrick Henry has a better case than a lot of people are giving credit for. Cause man, that what he did that last week to get the two thousand yards rushing on the year. I mean, he listen. People can say however good Ryan Tannehill is, and I'm not discrediting him for that. He he has been way better with the Titans than he was was with the Dolphins. But that is Derrick Henry's team, man. Without him, there is no. Titans offense. That's just that simple. So it's it's between Henry and Rogers for me. But that is it for the fan Q and A. It was a short list of questions today. But thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. Be sure to like, subscribe to the channel, and be sure to <clears throat> subscribe to all my podcast platforms if you want to listen to it on the podcast. I'm on Apple, I'm on Google, I'm on Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever you want to name, I, I'm there. Trust me. And be sure to like the Instagram page, Last Word underscore Productions. And be sure to like the Facebook page, Last Word Productions. Thank you all again, and I'll see you all in the next one.